Hey everyone, welcome again to Ask, where we talk about why does God allow homelessness, especially amongst children, a great question. Also, a question about circumcision and our profits for today. Great lineup, stay tuned for this edition of Ask. All right, once again, we're back with uh, your questions that people will submit online, cornerstonebv.org, uh, media page, Ask. You can just submit a question. We have quite a few in the uh, queue, so thank you for all of you who have submitted questions, and uh, if you did, uh, we'll get to it. It might take a few weeks, but just watch every episode and you'll be fine, or podcast it, or wherever you get your Ask episodes from, and keep the questions coming. They're really good, good like the ones we're hearing uh, from today. Also, this week, big week, it's the week that we celebrate Holy Week, uh, Maundy Thursday is actually uh, tonight doing a worship service. It might be too late to sign up for that, depending on when this episode airs. Um, but tomorrow's Good Friday. You can always go online um, and see if there's any openings. Right now there are, but when I'm filming this, uh, and uh, come, Good, Good Friday's a great time. We do candlelight. Uh, we we uh, Just a great time of reflection on what the cross means. And then, of course, uh, Easter Sunday and Saturday, we have four worship services to choose from. Go online. I think the openings mainly are on our Saturday at 5 and Saturday at 7, and you can uh, sign up and and join us for one of those and celebrate with us this week. Hopefully you'll do that. All right, um, so really good question that came in actually a few weeks ago actually, but um, I'm finally getting it to, to it today. Uh, why does the Lord allow homelessness, especially when it involves children? It seems a bit cruel. Um, so really, just to back up, I think this question really could fit a more general category. Why does God allow fill in the blank? You know, why does he allow cruelty to anyone, to children, to animals, to, uh, to you know, why does he, do wars happen and famine and, you know, all of those kinds of questions, it seems like, man, God could do something about it. Why doesn't he? Okay. Now, if we kind of step forward again and, and talk about specifically homelessness, which I think could, the answer could kind of go with any, why does homelessness exist? Is it God's fault? The answer, no, right? Is It's from, and it is the result of, and the consequences of, generations of sin. And we say, well, homelessness is? Absolutely. All bad things in the world, bad things people do to each other, bad things that happen to us, are the residue of generation after generation of sin. God allowed, God didn't create sin, but he allowed the opportunity to sin, which we talked about quite a bit on Ask, right, is because there is, um, to, to, for me to choose to love you, I have to have an, an alternative to choose to rebel against you. And, and that's why the opportunity to sin existed. Adam and Eve sinned, we now have uh, sin inherent in our nature, and so now generations later, all of the effects of sin, our world, disease, it's all because of that. Homelessness, specifically, think about what contributes to that. It's people throughout generations taking advantage of others, not helping others, not stepping up. Now, homelessness also uh, is because of uh, abuse of alcohol, abuse of drugs, abuse of prostitution, or all kinds of gambling, things that are sin, whether to the individual who's homeless, maybe it was their parents, and they're receiving sort of the, the recipient of the, the residue of their parents, grandparents' sin. You just throw it all into a bag and here we have it. And so is it cruel for, to, to God? No, God does not have an obligation to step in and do something about what is our fault, not his. Like he can, but he's not obligated to do that, right? It's, he didn't create it, he didn't do it, it's not his fault. He does not have an obligation to do something about it. However, he did step in and do something about it. That's what, I mean, it is perfect time this week to talk about. Uh, like any week, really, 
it is that's what the cross is all about. Um, wasn't it cruel for Jesus, who was perfect, to be nailed to a cross, to take my sin and yours? Absolutely. It was cruel, but it was done out of love because it's the only solution to our sin. Not just your personal sin, but the redemption of the entire world. That because of the cross of Jesus Christ, that there is a, God is being patient, but the plan and the promise is he will return. He will redeem not only his people, but this world and create a new heaven and a new earth where there will not be homelessness. There will not be cruelty. There will not be crime. There will not be disease because God did something about it through his own son, Jesus Christ. So actually, God's the complete opposite of cruel. Uh, it's the most loving thing that's ever done because he did not, nor was ever obligated to step into history and to help us. And yet he did everything for us. Um, and hopefully that helps. Okay, second question. Are there still prophets today? If so, who? Me, give me your money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, don't, don't, uh, yeah, you, you know I was kidding. Um, so now there, there's definitely some, some debate about uh, uh, prophecy today in the church age, what we call the church age from uh, Jesus dying, res resurrection, ascending, Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes, and now we have the church. The gospel goes forth to the ends of the earth. Eventually, Jesus will be the culmination. He will come back, right? Um, and, and so in this age, like what, what is the, the role of prophet? So you really got to divide that into two things. First, um, and we'll talk about that in a second, the office of the prophet, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, those, those guys in the Old Testament that, that we have books on, they were given specific offices. You are a prophet, right? Or, as we see in the New Testament, specifically in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, the gift of prophecy, okay? And you got to kind of divide them. Obviously, a prophet had the gift of prophecy, right? So they are connected in some ways, but they are really different. Um, and so in the New Testament, when you look at the gift of prophecy, this is not an office like Jamie's a prophet, okay? This is a, a gift that God gives us as believers through the Holy Spirit to specifically be very good at discerning our times with the truth of the Word of God. And so sometimes, uh, for all intents and purposes in, in our life, in our age, it, it looks a lot like when someone teaches the Word of God, or maybe someone who's gifted at preaching the Word of God, or somebody who's really gifted at speaking into your life, a counselor, or even a friend, but you go to them when you've got things going on in your life because they seem to be able to take what we have in the Bible, God's truth, and really poignantly and clearly point it out in your life, right? That's prophecy because we get it confused. We think prophecy is always um, foretelling, right? Meaning future telling. But really, even the office of the prophet, 75% of their time, it was forth telling proclaiming truth that was already true and known, just really warning, right? Like you're you're sinning against God, you're doing this, you're doing that, watch out. That was really the prophet's role. It's like, you gotta correct this, you gotta get back to doing this. And so that hasn't really changed. Take out the foretelling, future telling, and most of the gift of prophecy is taking what we have in the word, what we know to be true from God's word, but very, able to kind of read our times and, and see what's happening and, and being able to take that truth and, and, and really um, dissect that and help you to see what this means for my life, you know, my workplace, my marriage, my, my parenting, my, you know, uh, and, and you're like, man, they were really able to kind of crystallize that for me. In many ways, that is the gift of prophecy. 
Now sometimes, God will, I believe, give someone through an intense time of prayer, even a dream, right? That, and this is where the debate comes in. Uh, some, something that it can be a great message for someone else. Um, how do you know if this is true? Because I've had people say, I've had a dream, and you know, how do I know their dream isn't because they ate bad chicken, right? Um, and it's actually from God. Well, does it line up with the Word of God? And I mean 100%. If it's saying something that contrasts anything that is in what we call the Bible, it is not true. Um, there is not going to be new truth. There is not going to be added truth, okay? Um, but there's a lot of things. God told me that you need a new job. Well, I can't look in scripture. Like that might be true, that might not. So now how do we, so now you look at the person, right? Do you know them? Do you trust them? Do they have a history of, of, of actually following Jesus? Okay, now you can take what they say to you pretty seriously. God might have given them a message for me and I should take that seriously and not poo-poo it but we hold it loosely. Don't take it as gospel fact, because it may not be. They may be mistaken, they're fallible. This is not like Isaiah or Jeremiah speaking to us. This is, you know, a good friend in the Lord who means well, and hold it, think about it seriously, but hold it loosely, it may not be true. And so be careful. You don't want to raise it to the level of scripture, all right? Um, so that's the gift of prophecy. So if I get up and I preach, and you're like, you know what? That hit home so, uh, much, it's not like, because you saw like, I really see how I can take that and I need to apply it here in my personal life. What I've done there is not, maybe it's the gift of exhorting the scriptures. It might be par partially the gift of teaching because I'm able to dissect the truth of the scriptures and, and communicate it clearly to you. That's the gift of teaching. But it could be also the gift of prophecy. Me being able to have a gift from the Holy Spirit to take the word and help you to see it, what it means in your life, okay? Um, and so that's kind of, or again, it could be a counselor, a good friend, or one of those types of situations in your life as well. Um, so really quickly, you've already gone on way too long, but it's a very in-depth question, is what about the office of the prophet? That is no longer, um, like Jeremiah, Isaiah, they needed that because they did not have the Bible. That was, I mean, they had the law, so the five, first five books of the Bible, they did have that, that was, but that was even given through a prophet. His name was Moses, right? And God gave Moses, who was in the off, office of the prophet back then, um, to give them the law. And then from there, you had Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and all of the different prophets who were in the office of the prophet to give a word of God to the people. We now today have our, the Bible, right? closed canon of scripture. That's our word. We don't need added word. We need people to help us understand that and apply it to our lives, which I just described. We don't need uh, additions to it uh, or offices of the prophet, of someone who's a prophet to do that for us. And we have um, the Holy Spirit indwell in every single believer. The Old Testament, they didn't have that. You, if you're a Christian and born again in Christ, you are indwell. Holy Spirit is with you to help you uh, discern the scriptures yourself and discern the times yourself. And so you don't need an office of the prophet to give you God's word. You have the Bible, you have the Holy Spirit, you have other teachers around you that can help you with that. And so uh, if someone says they are a prophet, you should be very suspicious of it. If they have the gift of prophecy, different type of thing, okay? If there needs to be any more clarity on that, please, please feel free to, to ask. That was a great question. Another really quick one, why was circumcision on the eighth day important? So this is, uh, was given in the law that I just mentioned earlier, Leviticus 12, 3. So uh, it was important because God said it. Right? I mean, he told them to do it. There's actually nothing really in scripture that I've ever found 
um, there's theories out there, but there's nothing very explicitly that says this is why God chose the eighth day. So you can read a lot of different theories on that. Um, I can say that a lot of doctors and medical professionals, certainly especially back then, um, to do it before that might have been dangerous for the baby, and so God happened to know that uh, amazingly, and, and it actually was the best time from a physical point of view to be circumcised. Now, obviously, circumcision for the Old Testament and God's people, Israel, was a mark of the covenant that he made um, with them, that, that, they are, that he is their God and they are his people, and so they were marked that way. So we don't need to be circumcised anymore. We now have the circumcision of the heart by knowing Christ, Right? So that's what circumcision was for. Eighth day, that's because God commanded it. He had his reasons, medical, some other reason. Uh, we don't really know. Okay? Sorry, I wish I could give you more on that. But uh, if anyone has any theories, let us know. And uh, maybe they're right. So uh, be sure to ask your questions, cornerstonebv.org. Hopefully we'll see you this week as we celebrate the, the uh, death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God bless. See you next week on Ask.